Dream matches are rare in pro wrestling, and it's even rarer that they're good. They're almost always a spectacle, sure, but that doesn't always necessarily translate into in-ring excellence or even a compelling story. That it's happening is more important than how or why, you know? But sometimes a dream match lives up to the hype, and that's what we're here to talk about today, because our competitors made their entire careers out of living up to hype. In this corner, a legit Olympian who won a gold medal in freestyle wrestling at the 1996 Olympics and then turned pro in 99, becoming an all-time great in less time than it takes most people to learn how to execute a wrist lock. In this corner, a man universally acknowledged as one of the greatest pro wrestlers who ever lived, a consummate showman who made his career by performing at the highest level on the biggest stage possible. And, despite the fact that they had been two of WWE's biggest stars of the late 90s and early 2000s, they had never even appeared on screen together. And then they did. And it was magic. Today, on I Hate Wrestling, it's Kurt Angle versus Shawn Michaels. Dream match. Steven, the train Graham. Chugga chugga, my friend. Welcome back to the show. Oh, I thank you. I'm excited to be here in my chair. Yeah, I I was a little bit... Con- some wrestling. Some wrestling. 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 So I was a little... Cons- who are these people? Who are these people? Who are these people? The two people that we're going to talk about today? I've never heard of them in my life. Uh, they're just two guys. Uh... You know, I thought it would be fun to just sort of pick uh, two random names. A bunch of nobodies? Yeah, a couple jobbers. Yeah, uh, real, guys from TNA. Yeah, real yeah. Uh, jamooks, you know, yeah. real jabronis. really haven't done anything in this industry, nor will ever. Curtain jerkers, ham and eggers. Popcorn match. Popcorn, yeah, yeah total uh, uh, piss break match. Uh, it's a cross between a popcorn match and a... A bathroom break match. It's a poop corn match. Mm. Go to the concession stand by yourself with doing the clown t-shirt. <laughs> right. Wax another jacket from the souvenir booth. <laughs> <laughs> Fall asleep, leave a wake-up call. Yeah. Steal some toilet paper. So, we're obviously being facetious because we are talking about two wrestlers who are pretty important to our individual fandoms, right? These two guys were huge for us during very formative years for us. Absolutely. Uh, You've got the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, and you've got Kurt Angle, both of whom, at least... WrestleMania. Yeah. Mr. WrestleMania! I can't do a great Shawn. You know, my Shawn would be more impressive if you could see me crossing my eyes right now. And then you'd be like, oh, both. You can only cross one. <laughs> you'd be like, oh, that's uh, that's uh, Doctor Shawn Michaels if I've ever heard him. And if you want to do a Kurt Angle impression, you just break your neck. <laughs> Mumble a lot. Yeah. Drink milk. Claim your Twitter got hacked. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Well, I do. I, I, I 
feel like there is some credibility behind that because I feel like he just stares at his phone and yells at it. Yeah, I, yeah, he's Kurt Angle is about two steps removed from the Iron Sheik, huh? Yeah. He walks around like Kermit the Frog without the uh, without the strings. Bro, <laughs> <laughs> he's just bent and he's just straight. <laughs> It's I don't, like he's always laying down. It's like he wakes up and he just walks that way. I don't think Kurt Angle ever stands up straight. He's like in a perma squat kind of. He's got yeah. like he's at this point he's got bow legs. Like well, his he's neck is straight up, obviously, because he had the the fucking spinal fusion. Yeah. But his I feel like his arms are always a little bit out to the sides. He's like a character in a beat-em-up game. He never stands up straight. He's always kind of like squatting and moving up and down slightly. He looks like Rocksteady from Teenage Mutant Ninja Oh, yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Especially during the uh, the main event Mafia period when he was wearing the sunglasses. Yeah. <laughs> He's in permanent, like, pooping position. Yeah. He's ready to squat Yikes. Well, we're not making him sound very good. We're like, oh, we got uh, we got one guy who's like a perma-squat guy in a ruined body who always looks like he's shitting, and uh, we got another fucking cross-eyed guy who looks like he is standing in line for a Ted Nugent concert. And should not have shaved his head. And should, well, should he have kept the Benjamin Franklin hair, though? Yeah, no, the, the answer is no. Actually, made him look a little nicer. Like the, with, the, with the shaved head, though, he just looks weird. Oh well, see, the, you, you're talking about the comb over, like that he was rocking for about six months there. Yeah, he should just. I mean, it wasn't you know classic Shawn Michaels, but at the same time, like his match, um, what was it, the, the Crown Jewel or whatever that Saudi Arabia show that was atrocious. Oh, where he almost died. Yeah, he just looked like you know his head is just oddly shaped. Yeah, well, Kurt Angle's got a great head. Yeah, uh, he has a great bald head. Yeah. A, a great bald head, and Shawn Michaels doesn't. It's a little bit uh, conical. You know, he kind of looks like a cone head a little bit. It's like you put a bowl on top of his head. Almost. Yeah. Well, you know, maybe he should have gotten the Chris Jericho surgery, huh? Chris Jericho had surgery for his hair? Have you not seen the Chris Jericho's hairline recently? Because it's not human. No, <laughs> I have not. <laughs> It, I would not put it past them. Oh, he definitely has. He definitely... Well, it's that it's that thing where... You know, re, yeah, rewatch a Chris Jericho match in 2019 and his hair... It looks like he's a character in WWF No Mercy for the N64. It's just like... The front is just like painted onto the front of his head. Oh, yeah. He, he, was, he was getting the uh, Bruce Willis thing going on. Oh, yeah. So, my point is, Sean could have done that. Yeah. Wouldn't have looked terrible. Well, I mean, he's not going to be wrestling, hopefully, anymore. So, Chris Jericho is looking to be the face of a goddamn promotion in 2019, which is still wild, but here we are. Yeah, that's crazy. So. He's having the best time of his career. So. Anywho. We've been talking a lot of shit about these two, uh, these two older gents. Undeserving, but they can take it. So, despite the fact that, you know, they are 
not what they once were, can't really change what they once were. And in their prime, these two guys were the standard bearers. You know, these two guys were, at one point, the best in the world. Absolutely. I think that's fair to say. Yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about this uh, in the shower this morning, not to, you know, take you behind the curtain, the shower curtain, as it were. Uh, at the time that Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle were at their peak, there wasn't so much of an indie scene. Because Sean came up, they're about the same age, but Sean was active for like a good 15 years before Angle, right? Was it that long? He started in like 85. Oh, yeah. And, oh, wow. and then Kurt Angle didn't start until 99. But Sean had kind of a slow road, you know, he worked through, well, let's, uh, We'll get away. We'll get into their their kind of backstories in a minute, but Sean came up in the death of the territories. You know, he started in Texas, went to AWA, then found himself in WWE, and then once he was in WWE, you know, he kind of worked his way up slowly up the card, and all of the indies disappeared. You know, I mean, there were still there were still people wrestling in high school gyms. But it wasn't like there was anybody who ever became anybody, you know? Mm-hmm. Maybe some of those guys went to ECW, but it wasn't like today where the major promotions were scouting these indie shows. And Angle came along in 99 and sort of the indie renaissance started after WCW got bought by WWE in 2001 and all of a sudden there was this vacuum for non-WWE wrestling and that's when guys like CM Punk and Daniel Bryan, Austin Aries, Roderick Strong, the first big wave of indie guys, Chris Daniels, came along and uh, started to work a different kind of style. Started working a Kurt Angle style. Right, yeah. And that's what that's what I'm saying. Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels were the best in-ring performers at a time in American wrestling when their style was about the only style. And the guys who create a kind of alternative style, a little bit more faster paced, a little bit more hybrid style, uh, Lucha Libre influence, Japanese influence what we would call the indie style today, and that's kind of the style that is in vogue, right? You don't... My point is, you don't have Seth Rollins without Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. You don't have the entire NXT roster without Shawn Michaels and Kurt Angle. You certainly don't have Adam Cole without Shawn Michaels. You don't have Daniel Bryan without Shawn Michaels either. Right. He literally trained, or uh, I guess figuratively trained, Daniel Bryan. (laughs) <laughs> it was his school, he just wasn't there. It was his school, he showed up a couple... Yeah, I, I think uh, that was one of those things... Didn't they actually say that in a... Oh, CM Punk said that on commentary, where they were saying something about, oh, Shawn Michaels trained Daniel Bryan. He's like, ah, uh, Shawn Michaels took his $2,000, and then William Regal showed him a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I mentioned that to mention how 
preeminent these two guys are and how much of an influence their style has been. I mean, look at the popularity of the superkick. Everybody does it. Everybody does a superkick. And it was... Superkick party. Superkick party, yeah. Last night was Fighter Fest, AEW Fighter Fest. There were about 9,000 superkicks on that show. And you can thank Shawn Michaels for that. Uh, ditto German suplexes. Everybody does a German suplex now. Yeah, it, and I feel like that random adrenaline rush, you know, big move from something came directly from Kurt. Oh, yeah. I always, I always loved that in his matches where he'd be laying on the ground, somebody would go to the top rope, and all of a sudden, two seconds, he's on the top rope with him. Oh, yeah. Like German suplex off. The the German suplex, the, uh, the top rope angle slam occasionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Kurt Angle was a beast in terms of, you know, a lot of... There had been amateur wrestlers before. There had never been an Olympic gold medalist before who became a, uh, a pro wrestler. There had been Olympic medalists, Brad Renigan's, uh, the Iron Sheik even, I think, qualified. Uh, Mark Henry was never a gold medalist, but he qualified for something somewhere, right? He won a shit ton of medals elsewhere, including, I think we talked about this in the Mark Henry episode, uh, Olympic Festival, which I guess is like the same guys who work the Olympics, but in off years or whatever. He won a bunch of gold medals there. But the point of all this is to say that Kurt Angle was a different kind of athlete. He came to wrestling differently. You know, I can this match to sort of like um, uh, Randy Savage and Rick Steamboat, where they had the match at WrestleMania three, and then all of a sudden you saw an influx of that style of wrestling. I agree and I disagree. And here's here's what I mean by that. I think that you can credit these two guys with that huge tidal wave of influence. But I don't think you can credit this specific match with that, and here's why. You like that? Yeah. Re-recorded that shit. So, you hear a lot of guys talk about, especially in the, the group that we're talking about, the guys who came up around 2000, the guys who were, you know, just about, you know, the guys who were in high school, they were teenagers during the Attitude Era, right? When wrestling was at its hottest, there were a shit ton of guys like that. Uh, pretty much everybody who is on top in wrestling right now, in fact. Those guys specifically credit Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart and the Iron Man match for inspiring them to work a longer, faster pace, more athletic style. I think Kurt Angle also inspired a lot of people to do that also, but I think that this match, because it happened in 2005, a lot of those guys were already well on their way. I think, I think what makes this match a dream match is the fact that Kurt Angle and Shawn Michaels 
had had these incredible careers in parallel and then finally came together for this match on the biggest stage of them all. And this was a match we never thought we would see because, you know, we talked about it a little bit before. Shawn Michaels started in the mid-80s, worked as a tag team guy until, what, 92? Sure. Well, whenever the Rockers broke up, we'll call it 1992. Shawn Michaels and his partner, Marty Jannetty, were like, on camera, wholesome. (laughs) Uh, White meat. They loved a party. Yep. They loved to have fun. Uh, Wholesome, white meat, baby faces, underdogs. They were very small for the time. You know, Sean's like six feet, 200 pounds, which is large for (laughs) a pro wrestler these days. But at the time, he was one of the smallest guys on the roster. 92 rolls around. He breaks up with Marty Jannetty, uh, becomes super over as a heel. He becomes Intercontinental Champion. He, by 96, becomes World Champion. He forms Degeneration X, injects pro wrestling with the kind of Beavis and Butthead sensibility that made Vince McMahon a billionaire by the year 2000. And then he gets hurt. And he retires in 1998. And he retires very young. He was, what, like fucking 35 when he retired? Which is brutal. I mean, pro wrestling is a little bit different than most other sports in that most guys don't hit their true stride until like 35 to 40 are usually people's best years. You know, your 20s are your athletic peak, but once you slow down and you start to mature psychologically as a performer, that's usually when the best stuff happens. That's when you're able to tell a story and right. not so much concerned with what you're doing. Right. And, yeah. you know, your body slows down a little bit and it kind of saves you from your worst impulses to do everything. And you start to realize you have to do the stuff that matters. And that's why a pro wrestler's best years are usually between like 35 to 40. And then every once in a while, somebody, you know, has a whole fucking career second act after 40, much like Shawn Michaels. Who did his best stuff for me, at least. Yeah. You know, he didn't lose too much of a step athletically. Hello, Simone. He came back at, uh, let's just call it 40, in 2002. He hadn't lost too much of a step. He was a little bit slower. He didn't do some of the things he had done before. But he could still do most of them, and he did them smarter in places that made more sense. And he became a much more mature performer. And just, all in all phenomenal second run and he won himself another world championship very briefly went on to reform the generation x had a bunch of all-time classics with the undertaker at wrestlemania main evented wrestlemania against john cena you know a whole 
host of career highlights that came after we all thought we had seen the last of Shawn Michaels in 1998. And he retires again in, what, 2012? I think so. Call it another 10 years. You know, he comes back in 2002, works another 10 years, another 10 very good years. And you know, it kind of saves his legacy from the tragedy of, oh, it's so sad that we lost one of these great performers so early in their career when they had so much more to give. And Sean really fought to come back to give us what he had to give. And, uh... He made the Spirit Squad look good. He did make the Spirit Squad look good. The Spirit Squad, hot take, was good. Did they really have any good matches? Was, their, their heel personas were annoying, so they were successful in that. But. Was anybody having good tag team performances in, like, 2006 WWE, I ask you? That is true. <laughs> that was the... Crime time. Crime time. The crime Highlanders. Time the best matches of their career. The Highlanders. I'm Robbie. I'm Ronnie. <laughs> I think it was Robbie, but I can't be bothered to check. Anyway... Uh, so that's Shawn Michaels. And during that space, like 98 to 2002, who shows up out of nowhere and takes his crown for the sort of undisputed best performer in the world? Kurt freaking angle. Kurt freaking angle with a broken freaking neck. So, Kurt Angle, legit Olympian, wins a gold medal in freestyle wrestling in the 1996 Atlanta Olympic Games. Goes to ECW first. And (laughs) threatens to sue them because he comes on their show to just do like a little walk-on. Doesn't he cut a little promo? I think so, yeah. About how cool pro wrestling is? And he like comes out to the ring in his, you know, with his medal in his little Olympic uh, sweatsuit and like waves, and then he goes backstage, and then they run an angle where someone gets crucified. Sandman's gets crucified. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he was horrified. Yeah, and then he comes and finds Paul Heyman and is like, "Hey, if I ever show up on this program, if I'm ever associated with this literal crucifixion that you put on television, I'm going to sue you for everything you're worth." And Paul Heyman's like. Joke's on you! I'm not worth anything! <laughs> so, anyway, that's Kurt Angle's first foray into pro wrestling, but I think then he tries to do some sports casting, like some local mm-hmm. news stuff, and it doesn't really go anywhere. Yeah. And he winds up making contact with, I think it's Dory Funk. After 96, he was actually contacted by WWE. Oh, that's and right. They contacted him first, and he turned them down. He didn't turn them down. Why well, he... This amazing multi-million dollar contract that... And he met Vince in Stanford. And the exact quote from Kurt, he said that... He was like, listen, I'm an Olympic gold medal. That means I can't lose. And Vince just shook his head, and then he never got a call back. <laughs> <laughs> 
was thinking that at this time, he was still saying, that's that fake stuff. You know, that's not real. That's not real wrestling. So I can't lose. I'm a legitimate Olympic gold medalist. And then, uh, yeah, a few years later, when he realized, when he started watching and realized the product, he contacted Jim Ross. And uh, Jim said, the contract's no longer there, but you can go down to the Funkin' Dojo. That's right. So he goes to, uh, he goes down to Amarillo, Texas. To the Funkin' Dojo, which may or may not actually be in Amarillo, Texas, but that's where the Funks are from. And he learns from the ground up the craft of pro wrestling. And to this day, Kurt Angle is legendary for how quickly he got really good. The dude is a goddamn... He was a natural. He picked up everything so quickly. When did he start training? What, 98? Late? 98, and he made his debut in 99. It was only like five months later. It's insane. Like, how would you like to make that phone call? Like, nobody's going to believe that shit. Like, uh, hey, we got this guy, and uh, we've been training him for five months, and we think he's ready for pay-per-view. Keep in mind, this is an art form that is so difficult to master that most people need to be wrestling for like 10 years before they're ready to be on camera. And Kurt Angle got so good so quickly that he was on pay-per-view like within a year of having his first training session. So he shows up to WWE and you might think that because he was an Olympic gold medalist and because he was a super serious, no-nonsense competitor before this, that that would be his character going forward? No. Turns out that not only is Kurt Angle an incredible athlete, he's also really fucking funny. <laughs> so the, the sort of defining moment for Kurt Angle is during his very first match where he comes out and he's wrestling who is he wrestling is it Sean Stasiak it might be I think it's Sean Stasiak yeah because Sean faced uh, in the uh, Shawn Michaels faced Sean later didn't he when they were having this feud oh I don't remember that but what I do remember is Kurt Angle coming out he's wrestling Sean Stasiak and it's like a really slow paced like, he's kind of doing a Bob Backlund thing where he's just, like, really sort of gently rolling around with the guy on the mat. And people start booing. He gets up mid-match, grabs a microphone, and says, Excuse me, there must be some misunderstanding. You do not boo an Olympic gold medalist. And he is immediately the biggest shithead heel. And people are booing him. It's nuclear... He establishes himself as this self-righteous, hypocritical character. He's got the three eyes, right? Intelligence, integrity, and intensity. <laughs> and he's like this super goofball, but he has a side of him that's crazy intense. And that was the key to, to make the people like laugh or hate you, but then actually consider you a real a challenge or a real competitor in the ring. Yeah, he in his first year, wins the European Championship King of... Wait, he doesn't win King of the Ring. He does win King of the Ring. Yeah, Kurt wins King of the Ring. 
Yeah, uh, King Kurt, right? 2000? Billy Gunn was 99, Kurt was 2000, and Hedge was 2001. Great. So, <laughs> Kurt Angle wins. Uh, You're welcome. Still in the first year of his pro career, wins Intercontinental Gold, European Championship, King of the Ring, and WWE Championship. <laughs> so, it takes Shawn Michaels all of 15 years to, to accomplish all that he's accomplished by the time he's forced to retire in... 98. Kurt Angle, meanwhile, shows up in mid-99 by one year later. He's pretty much already matched Shawn Michaels in terms of pro accomplishments. And then there's a tweak to his character where he gets his head shaved. And when Kurt Angle gets his head shaved, all of a sudden the comedy of his character gets way less pronounced and he becomes a much more serious competitor. I thought he got more goofy after his head shaved. At least for a small bit. Well... Because remember he was walking around with a wig and he was wearing his wrestling oh, uh, yes. helmet yes. attire with his facing edge. Well, that was kind of the... He got his head shaved and then wore a wrestling headgear with a wig underneath it and claimed that as an Olympic gold medalist he was able to regrow his hair fully in one night. Yes. But my point is that after a certain period of time, Kurt refocuses. And this is around, like, 2002, mm-hmm. which when is... comes the wrestling machine. The wrestling machine, right. And this is when Sean comes back and starts his career renaissance. Kurt refocuses and becomes a much more intense character, a much more scary character. And he has some of the best matches. He has that classic world title match against Benoit at the Royal Rumble 2002. Or is it 2003? He has that killer match against Benoit for the world title at the Royal Rumble 2000. <coughs> and, uh, uh, then he goes on to face Brock Lesnar. He has the whole Brock Lesnar feud. He has the Eddie Guerrero feud. Oh, I love that match. I know. And the whole thing is based on Kurt Angle and this sort of inhuman intensity that he's bringing. And during this period, WWE has a brand split going. They have the Raw roster, and they have the SmackDown roster. Shawn Michaels is on Raw. Kurt Angle is on SmackDown. So they're not interacting. But they've had these parallel careers, and they've had a career renaissance at the same time, starting in, like, 2002. It's led them both to world championships. It's led them both to world title matches at WrestleMania. And... This whole time, these two have never interacted. They've never even been on screen together. And then, at the 2005 Royal Rumble, they happen to share a ring. And what happens is, Kurt Angle enters the ring. There's like, I don't know, ten people in the ring. 
Kurt hustles into the ring, starts suplexing them all, angle slams for everybody, German suplexes for everybody, and he is just wrecking shop. It looks like he's going to kill everybody in the ring. He tries to throw out Michaels. Michaels counters. Uh, he hits him with the sweet chin music, the super kick. Angle falls out of the ring, and that's it. Angles had been a house of fire, but he was only in the match for like 30 seconds, and Sean eliminates him. So Kurt, always a sore loser, tumbles to the outside, comes back into the ring, even though he's been eliminated from the match, drags Sean to the outside, and beats the shit out of him, hits him with the ring steps, tries to break his ankle, and Shawn Michaels has to be helped to the back by officials. And Kurt Angle has an interesting justification for what he's done. And I guess that leads us to the homework. Do you remember what... Promo time. Promo time. Now, do you remember what Kurt Angle's reason is for why... Well, he attacked Shawn Michaels for the... Because of what happened during the Royal Rumble, but... Yeah. Why Kurt was so ferocious in his attack. Because his entire career he was pissed off at Sean. Because in 96 uh, he won the Olympic gold medals but all people were talking about is Shawn Michaels coming down from the Raptors at that year's Wrestlemania putting on a wrestling clinic. That was the Iron Man match between Sean and Bret Hart. Right. And there's so much so much that we can talk about here. Right, because once again, these two guys in parallel, Shawn Michaels wins his first pro title in 96, the same year that Kurt Angle wins the Olympic gold medals, 96. We have the theme of Kurt Angle not having the greatest understanding about the differences between pro and amateur wrestling, right? He, in real life, said to Vince McMahon, well, I can't lose because he's hung up on this idea of amateur wrestling being the number one indicator for success in pro wrestling. Meanwhile, he's, he's pissed off that people are excited about somebody who is successful in a performance art piece <laughs> in a different, you know, in a completely different field than his own, but he's taking it as a direct attack on his own accomplishments. And and we also have to take into account the fact that Shawn Michaels is the guy who was the acknowledged best wrestler in the world during this time period. You know, I mean, you could say, you know, a lot of people might say Brett, but WWE seems to lean towards Shawn. I think Shawn probably outperforms him in terms of character work. Oh, entertainment for sure. And the fact that Sean has this sheen about him of being the best is what's pissing Kurt Angle off because Kurt Angle, despite the fact that he wasn't doing the thing Sean was doing at the time, somebody else is being called the best, Kurt Angle's pissed because he's the best. People should be talking about Kurt Angle being the best. You know, so they finally collide here and Angle thinks that he's going to 
embarrass Sean, and he's going to, you know, set things right. Just show the world that, no, actually, Kurt Angle is the better one. And that doesn't exactly happen. We get a whole bunch of other hijinks. Not a lot of direct uh, confrontation, because, again, these two guys are not on the same shows. But Kurt decides that he's going to accomplish everything that Shawn Michaels accomplished in his career. In four weeks. In four weeks. <laughs> so he starts going through the greatest hits of Shawn Michaels' career. He has the the ladder match, right? Which was Shawn Michaels' you know first great singles performance. So he just takes a, it's just some jobber, right? Yeah, it's just some jobber. <laughs> he brings out some jobber, wrecks him. Climbs the, climbs the ladder. He brings out Marty Jannetty, Shawn Michaels' old tag team partner, and beats him. He brings out Sensational Sherry, who is Shawn Michaels' old manager, and who, who sang Kurt, uh, Shawn's theme song. And Kurt comes out dressed in chaps, like Shawn Michaels, and he performs a little song with Sherry. <laughs> I'm just a sexy Kurt. I'll make your ankle hurt. <laughs> To this day, the image of Kurt Angle doing the little shoulder dance, like the little yeah. shimmy, next to, next to Sherry Martell. While he's, like, thrusting his hips side to side. Yes. <laughs> so, this is the part of the feud that kills me, right? Because Kurt is claiming that he's a real wrestler, right? And he's mad that people were excited about Sean because Sean was an entertainer, whereas Kurt was an athlete, right? And that's why Kurt is better. And the way that Kurt is attempting to prove that his pure, hard-nosed athleticism is better than Sean's showmanship is by doing a bunch of comedy. (laughs) Which, of course, the character of Kurt Angle wouldn't recognize this as hypocritical, but it shows you that these two guys really are parallel in terms of their skill sets. You know, Kurt is every bit the entertainer that Sean is. Mm-hmm. And the fact that he doesn't see it is, is part of his character, you know? So what he says is that he's going to destroy Shawn Michaels once and for all at WrestleMania and prove that he's truly the greatest of all time. Sean's Sean's response is not to say he's the best wrestler or the best athlete, but Shawn Michaels comes to this from a performer's mindset, from an entertainer's mindset. And in that video, Shawn Michaels doesn't say that he's going to destroy Kurt Angle or that he's going to end Kurt Angle's career or that he's going to embarrass Kurt Angle what he says is he's going to give you a show like you've never seen before and why because he can so he says a a bunch of things in that clip and I don't think most of it I think it's like jumbled together from a bunch of different interviews but they all drive home the same point 
Kurt Angle's focused on destroying Shawn Michaels. Shawn Michaels is focused on the performance itself, right? He says, I am quite simply the best sports entertainer in the world. He says, Kurt Angle, you've accomplished a lot, but you've never gone one-on-one with Mr. WrestleMania at the grandest stage of them all. Shawn's focused on... He's focused on the show. Right? He's focused on the drama of it. Not necessarily the personal issue. He is pissed at Kurt. He does say the Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels is a doormat for absolutely nobody. But he's not necessarily focused on sending a message. He's focused on... He doesn't have anything to prove. No. No, and that's what it comes down to, right? Kurt Angle is the one who's insecure here. Kurt Angle is the one who perceives that people think he doesn't measure up to Sean. Sean thinks nobody measures up to him. That's like a default. That's a baseline for Sean. Sean Michaels is nothing. At least this era of Sean Michaels is supremely self-confident. You know, there's a period in the 90s where Sean is clearly insecure. And trying to do Ric Flair. Yeah. Yeah, and that comes out in everything. You know, that informs everything. Like the whole you know, his whole relationship with Bret Hart is based in insecurity, you know, because he's, Shawn Michaels defines himself by being the best. Here's another guy who's just as good as him in one area. So he's like focused on, you know, if anything, it shows you that even though these guys have been moving in parallel, Shawn is still more mature. He's still more experienced and he still knows himself better than Kurt knows himself. Sean is, you know, in this career revival, he knows what drives him, he knows how to motivate himself, and he doesn't have to define himself by what other people are doing. And that's still where Kurt is. So the question then becomes, has Kurt Angle bitten off more than he can chew? Is Sean Michaels enough to hold off the ferocity of Kurt Angle. And quite simply, who is better? You know, when all the chips are down, which one of these two really is the better man? It's a pretty simple story, but it's one that I think is really compelling because of how basic it is. Yeah. And it's just based on, God, I'd really like to see these two guys wrestle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing obscenely personal. You know, Angle tries to make it personal by redoing all of Michael's accomplishments. But it's not like, you know, Edge goes to John Cena's house and beats up his dad or whatever. You know, it's none of that stuff. Or like the Chris Jericho feud where uh, Jericho punched Shawn Michaels' wife. (laughs) Accidentally. Accidentally. Yeah, I still fucking love the look on Jericho's face after he does that. Yeah. Because he actually did one. (laughs) It's really like, oh shit. So, to the degree that a pro wrestling rivalry can be 
a professional one, this kind of is. Mm-hmm. So, before we uh, before we we settle in to watch this match, did you have a dog in this fight in two thousand five? I was too. Do you remember why you were pulling for Sean? Uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> Neither do I. <laughs> <laughs> Probably because we were dumb kids and Sean was the babyface. No, we we always liked the heels better, even at that time. Well, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess loved sh- everything Kurt was doing. I don't remember a single thing Sean did. Oh, at this but time? Been, no, yeah. Sean was basically doing nothing at this time. Yeah, he just. Wrestled Muhammad Hassan right before like WrestleMania, he, and like Kurt came out and like started attacking. Him. The only thing that's I remember cool. Sean doing is dressing up like a cameraman to attack Kurt Angle. Oh, that's right. But yeah. that's not that's not really anything. No, <laughs> Kurt was the one really carrying this uh, this feud here. Well, and that makes sense because it was a one sided beef. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean was pissed because Kurt had attacked him, but all of the psychological baggage was all coming from Angle. It was all rooted in Angle's insecurity. So I guess it would make sense that Kurt would be the one who couldn't let this die. And, of course, this match is happening at WrestleMania. Jim Ross says it in the video package. Nobody has ever outperformed Shawn Michaels in a big match situation. Shawn Michaels has always been a performer who, when the chips are down on the biggest stage of them all, because he is such a performer, you know, it's kind of that thing about, they make the joke about John Cena and overcoming the odds. Big match, John. Big match, John. And the more uh, the more people you put in front of John Cena, the easier it is for him to win. Mm-hmm. The more people you put watching Shawn Michaels, the easier it is for him to win. Lives up to everything he says. He will give you a show that you've never, ever seen before. And why? Because he can. Because he can, man. So, uh, Stephen, do you have any other thoughts about Shawn Michaels, about Kurt Angle, about this rivalry? Um, go back and watch it. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I got. I mean, it's fantastic. It's an incredible match. It's it's a perfect story. It's it's what WrestleMania is supposed to be about. It's the match that certainly sold sold a show from JBL and John Cena and whoever else was performing that day. Um, okay. All right. All right. So we are watching Shawn Michaels versus Kurt Angle from WrestleMania 21. Stephen, are you ready? I'm ready. I'm ready to go Hollywood. <laughs> that's right. Was this WrestleMania goes Hollywood? Yeah. yeah. That's right. It was. Okay. All right, so it, we're going to press play in three, two, one, and go. All right, so we have Shawn Michaels out first. I do like the old-time Hollywood setup with the curtains and the uh, the searchlights. I miss the sets. i got to be honest. Those really made pay-per-view special for me. Well, I mean, good news for you. AEW is doing that shit. Yeah. I saw the stage. I didn't get to watch it yesterday, but I saw the stage. It was... Like, yeah, thank you. 
I mean, last night was kind of like a house show. It wasn't like a major show. So the stage wasn't really set up. They had they were they were kind of playing with it, you know, because WCW would always have the actual pool. Mm-hmm. They had a kiddie pool. It was fun. Uh, somebody got uh, drowned in a pool, or attemptedly drowned in a pool. It's not a wrestling show until there's attempted homicide. <laughs> so Shawn Michaels is out first. In his, you know what's hysterical to me, is that this is after Sean became super Christian, and if anything, his outfits got more effeminate, more dominatrixy. Yeah, he's got fucking <laughs> chains coming off that, and like a fucking bejeweled cross. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's a very specific aesthetic. He's teaching kids how to dance and touch their wieners. <laughs> <laughs> I fucking love that. We we talk about that yeah, shit all I, the time. Uh, you know, I I, uh, I don't I don't remember that, but I'm not gonna say it didn't happen. But I was on a lot of pills. <laughs> Guys, if you get the chance, please watch the sit down interview with Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart. It's hysterical because Bret Hart is keeps talking about all the fucked up shit that Shawn Michaels did, and every time he says something, it cuts to Shawn. With, like, gritted teeth being like, ooh. <laughs> and every time he's like, I don't remember doing that, but I probably did it. <laughs> I love how he stuttered every single time. You, you know, I, uh, hey, 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 well, you know, uh... uh yeah, anyway. Uh, <laughs> angle coming down to the ring. <laughs> Back to the match, King. Howard Finkel. Is that guy. Yep. Howard Finkel. Watch out for the choke slam. So, we had Sean, and he's, you know, doing his, uh, his classic, you know, prancing his way to the ring with the fireworks and everything. And uh, Kurt, because in Kurt's mind, he's a real athlete and not a performer, just kind of walks out. Kurt is prone to do a little bit of showboating before a match. He's chosen to eschew it this time. It lo- kind of looks like Kurt's got a bootleg uh, Marine Corps logo on his singlet, huh? Yeah. All right, so they're they're squaring off, oh. and Sean slaps Kurt. A quick takedown by Angle, so he's trying to dominate him. Yep, and Sean is getting wrecked here. This idea that he would throw Angle off of his game does not seem to have worked at all. (laughs) No, backfire for sure. And Sean keeps trying to escape from all of these wrestling holds, but... He he can't. You just can't get away from him. Sean just smiles at him. Yeah, so it would try to it would kind of make sense for Sean to go for the slap because Sean had a psychological advantage going into this match. You know, he knew that Angle was psyched about him and he knew that Angle 
was in his own head about Shawn Michaels. So it would make sense for Shawn to try to take him off his game. But he found that the slap was a bad idea. He made Kurt angry, and Kurt embarrassed him. Well, it was almost like Angle was slapping him back by doing those wrestling moves. Yeah, it's a good point. So now what Shawn is doing, very smartly, by the way, is working a catch-as-catch-can style. This is what Angle is the least experienced at, right? Mm-hmm. Not on the mat, not throwing suplexes. It's worth noting that what Shawn Michaels is doing here, this very basic side headlock, is illegal in amateur wrestling. In amateur wrestling, you can't grab a headlock that doesn't have an arm in it. So, by grabbing this very basic pro wrestling hold, going back to his fundamentals as a pro, Sean is, in a way, embarrassing Kurt Angle. Right now, he's controlling the flow of this match against an Olympian wrestler who should theoretically have the grappling advantage, but because Sean has 20 years' experience in this style over Angle, this Olympic gold medalist is having a hard time getting this dude off of his head. And look at that, he grabs the side headlock again, and Angle stomps the mat. He's pissed now. So, Sean has found the way to get back in Angle's head. Uh, aside from all that, Angle also has a famously bad neck. So, really, Sean could not have picked a better strategy, it seems. That stack of dimes you call a neck. <laughs> Look at that. He tried to uh, take Sean into the ropes to try to get some momentum, but Sean just held on. And this shows where Angle is less experienced than Sean, right? Because he backed into the ropes, and instead of just grabbing the ropes to force a break, there we go. Now he's doing it. Now he's doing, yeah. but, but the first time, his instinct was in his amateur style to try to fight out of it. Whereas Sean, when he couldn't get away from Angle, immediately grabbed the rope to force the referee to break. And here we go, Angle with the uh, with the waist lock. Sean going back to the headlock, takes him down again. This is a really, I think, ingenious trading of holds. Because we've created this situation where these two guys are trading holds, but when they go for a rope break, they're admitting a very small defeat. They're admit, admitting that their opponent had them, you know, kind of dead to rights. Not that they had the match won, but they had them in a, at a disadvantage. And neither one of these guys ever wants to admit they're at a disadvantage. And here we go, Sean again, back to the well with a move that Angle, as an amateur, would not be familiar with a joint lock, uh, short arm scissors. So, this is also interesting. Oh, there we go. Angle with a pinning combination, but Sean rolls through again. This isn't what Kurt Angle would have prepared for. Mm-hmm. You know, as Kurt Angle, if you're preparing to wrestle a Shawn Michaels who's a showman, you're not expecting Sean to come to the ring and try to wrestle you. You know, he's prepared for Sean to do moonsaults, and he's pre- prepared for Sean to hit those big kicks. 
and quick at the pace, and Sean's actually slowing it down to almost like a crawl. Right, and that's why Sean's in control right now because Sean. You can also see how desperate Kurt is because he keeps. This is probably about the sixth or seventh time he actually grabs Sean's hair. Yeah, and there we go with that with the Bob Backlund reversal lifts Sean up, but Sean rolls through with a sunset flip one two and. Oh, and there we go. Kurt went for a clothesline, gets uh, gets rolled up in. Uh, and there we go. <laughs> Back into the side headlock on it, the mat. Yeah, into a backslide. He kicked out, went for another clothesline. Sean got him uh, in another side headlock, which is not going to win him this match. But it is driving angles cra- driving angle crazy, driving that insecurity, and is going to make him mad, and it's going to make him make a mistake. It's already making him make mistakes. It's almost like they're in reverse roles because Angle, uh, every single time he does get a moment release or break, he's actually running the ropes, trying to hit clotheslines, trying to be extremely quick. Right. Whereas Sean is trying to slow it down. Yep, and here we go. Things have finally broken down. Kurt Angle got pissed, forced a rope break, and now they're just trading hands in the corner. The referee's trying to physically separate them. <laughs> and Kurt Angle, the Olympic gold medalist, is throwing punches because he's been out-wrestled by Shawn Michaels. Ah, such such a good opening to this match. And now, because we're introducing strikes finally, we can see that things have... (laughs) The referee pulls Shawn off of Kurt. Kurt hits Shawn in the back of the head with a forearm strike, goes for his signature ankle lock, Sean rolls through, hits a, a clothesline. They both tumble to the outside of the ring. They have so deftly transitioned from the opening portion of the match to the high-stakes portion of the match. It's N- Yep, and here we go. Shawn Michaels clearing off the announce table. This is the big match, Sean. This is the high-risk Sean that Kurt prepared for, right? This is what you expect Shawn Michaels to do at WrestleMania is to do some spectacular dive at you, to do something that is going to, you know, burn itself into people's memories. Trading strikes here, Kurt Angle with the European uppercut. Looks like Kurt's going to try a suplex through the table. Sean, uh, Sean counters and now laying in the, uh, the chops to Kurt. Kurt lifts him up for the angle slam and drives his lower back into the ring post. What Sean had broken his lower back. That's what sent him into early retirement. That's correct. So the reason that, you know, and that's poetic too, because the, if we're talking about the absence of Sean Michaels being the reason that Kurt angle was considered to be the best in the world for that time period. And that's why, that back injury. And there's Angle purposely aggravating that bad back. And you know what? It makes perfect sense, too, because Sean was targeting Kurt Angle's bad neck earlier. So this is both tit-for-tat and a poetic you know, attempt to force him back into retirement. Now Kurt just focusing kicks and punches and elbows all into the lower back. Yep, and that... And that makes perfect sense because the lower back, he can target that with suplexes. He can target that with the angle slam. 
so much of his move set can be oh there we go a beautiful german or a beautiful vertical suplex by the way which i don't really remember kurt hitting that often but it was beautiful yeah and you see what he's doing here he's going for these nonchalant covers there was no way he expected sean to win that but sean had to leverage because he was pressing sean's head down Sean had to kick out of that and flex his lower back which has got to fucking hurt yeah everything Kurt does always had a good reason behind it he was always so you know analytical about everything he did because if he did a German you're landing on your shoulders right if you do a suplex the first thing that hits is your lower back Right, so the vertical suplex, which he doesn't do very often, he did it here because it's targeting the lower back. He did that pin to make Sean kick out of it and hurt his lower back. And here, Sean's taking advantage because Kurt was not immobilizing the lower back. He allowed Sean to get back to a vertical base, and now he's paying for it. Oh. Ugh. Sean gets thrown ah, into the ropes. He he hurts his lower back, flips down. Kurt grabs him, hits him with a belly-to-belly overhead suplex. Sean again lands on his lower back. And that was the first time Kurt actually did a little bit of showboating because now he feels like he's in control. Yes, now... Because now Kurt feels like he's vindicated. You know, Kurt is right. He feels like, yes, I was correct. Sean is not on my level. And I think he might have actually expected one of those suplexes to get him the pin because he hooked a leg, and when Sean kicked out, he seemed pissed. So he thought he was done. No, he's he's gotten Sean to bleed, right? Not literally, but he's gotten Sean... He's drawn first blood. He's shown that Sean can be beat, but now he actually has to beat him. He thought he had won the whole race, but no, he's just proven that uh, he can win it. So he's uh, driving his knee into Sean's lower back here. It looks like death. Sean's back to a vertical base again. And now we're trading hands. You might assume, I would probably assume, that Shawn Michaels is going to have advantage on a strike exchange because he's been throwing punches and chops for 20 years, whereas Angle, theoretically, has only a couple of years' experience throwing strikes. Oh! (laughs) Even though that clothesline looked great. I like that we saw a close-up of Angle after that kick-out, and he clearly mouthed, BITCH! (laughs) (laughs) Let's see this clothesline again. Oh, it looks so good. Alright, so now we've got Sean up on the top. Kurt's going to attempt to do a belly-to-belly suplex. Drive him down. Lower back first. But Sean's firing back. Kurt falls to the ground. And now here's Sean with uh, with a dive, which is one place where Sean, in the air, definitely does have an advantage over Angle. Oh, oh and Angle moves. No water in the pool. 
no water in the pool. And that's one of those moves that Angle would have scouted because it's a signature Shawn Michaels move. That elbow drop, the moonsault, these are moves that you would be expecting from Shawn Michaels in a big match. Of course, Kurt is going to be prepared for those. And it would especially help him because of that lower back. Yep. And Shawn manages to roll through. Oh! Yikes! Looks like Angle managed to escape most of the damage there. He landed on his feet and kind of rolled through a little bit. That's always fascinating to me how somebody... Oh, and here we go, Sean, up to the top again. Oof. God, that was ugly. I think he hit, Angle in, the, he hit Angle in the face with his knee, I think, on the way down. Yeah, and then he crashed on his face. Yeah, let's see the replay here. Oh, yeah, he definitely drove his, his knee right the fuck into Angle's head. It's always fascinating to me how, and it makes perfect sense, right? How somebody in the early goings of the match would work a different style to throw their opponent off. But then when the match starts to get intense, of course, you're going to go back to, you know, as JR would say, dance with who brung you, right? Yeah. You, you go back to the style that you're most comfortable with because, and here we go, Angle is going to attempt a German suplex off the ring apron through the table. Sean's holding on to dear life. Yeah, because this could very seriously kill you if you were to land on your neck from fucking 10 feet in the air like this. Sean with the back elbows. And Kurt can't... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Kurt couldn't block with his hands because he was using his hands to hold on to the, uh, to hold on to the ropes. So he was essentially... A sitting duck there. Oh. To escape Sean, just low blows him while the referee's distracted. Yep. Oh. Uh. Kurt stumbles backwards, and here we go. Sean with a beautiful corkscrew body press. It doesn't, the table doesn't break, but I think that makes it look worse. Yeah. Because if the table breaks, you know, that energy is going somewhere, the table's compressing. That just looked like both of them broke all their ribs. And we're going to see the replay here. Sean, middle rope, beautiful. Corkscrew body press, we're going to see it one more time. Oof. And they just, like, their bodies just crash into each other, and they're both out. I feel like the referee must have come out to check on them first because they've definitely been outside the ring for 50 seconds. And that's something I miss too in like, like a lot of WWE matches now. The referee just is too referee-ish, you know? Yeah. He'll just let things go if it's a good match. Did you watch uh, John Moxley versus Juice Robinson? They fight outside the ring for like five minutes and the referee just follows them around with his hands on his hips yelling at them <laughs> to get back in the ring. Are they red shoes? It's red shoes, yeah. yeah. At, at no point does he actually like physically separate them, but there's like table spots on the outside. <laughs> juice, <laughs> juice jumps off the fucking... 
uh, not the Titantron, whatever they call it in Japan. At no point does the referee do anything to stop it. He doesn't even count. He doesn't count until it's only one of them on the outside. So I was like, do they not have double countouts in Japan? Is there only single countouts? All right, so now both guys are back in the ring, fighting back to their feet. Angle is bleeding from the mouth. He was just drooling blood while yeah. he was crawling towards Sean to meet him in the middle. And now Sean, in a move he's, he's definitely taken from Ric Flair, use those chops to wear down your opponent, make it harm for, harder for them to breathe. Flying forearm. The flying... Flying forearm and kip up, which is a Shawn Michaels trademark. Looks like Shawn is getting ready to uh, to go into his his big comeback. We see the punches here, these knuckle punches, Manhattan drop, off the ropes, clothesline, and Shawn is feeling it. He's gonna go up here, body slam. And up to the top, you could see he's walking slowly. You know, he's kind of got that. Yeah, and he paused while climbing the uh, the ropes for a second just to catch his breath. It's the, and it's that lower back. He does hit the picture perfect elbow though, and Angle does not move. Angle is out like a light. But Sean is feeling it. He's gonna go for the sweet chin music, that super kick, which is his signature and is his finishing move. Although I don't think Sean has ever beaten like, well, it's rare that he beats a top-level opponent with the version that he calls for in the corner like this. Mm -hmm. Oh, Angle catches. Angle catches it and just folds him up with that ankle lock, which is Angle's finishing maneuver. And Sean trying to get to the ropes, trying to roll through. Oh. And this time, Angle is able to stay on him. <laughs> Kirk's screaming like, uh, with that awful movie when, uh, like the Star Wars movie where Darth Vader... No! no! <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sean's so close to the ropes. Kurt's trying to pull him away just a little bit. Usually when he's this close, Kurt will uh, drop down and grapevine the leg. Just put dead weight behind it. Yeah. Uh, Sean's grabbed it. Yep, Sean grabs the ropes. And Kurt breaks on three. Simone is on my back making biscuits right now. <laughs> oh. Angle oh. slam into a roll up. Angle slam. Yep. Back Sunset flip. Lock. and Ah. <laughs> angle grabs the ankle lock again. Oh. Sean rolls through oh. for another pin. One, two, and Angle escapes. Looks like Angle wants that clothesline again. Oh. Oh. Ah. Oh. He missed the clothesline. Sean went for the super kick. Angle caught it. Went for the uh, ankle lock again. Michaels rolled through, and then Angles planted him with the angle slam right to the lower back. 
Sean escaped the pin, but at what cost? We see Angle has really has no idea what to do. So he goes to the point of putting his uh, putting the straps of his singlet up and then putting them down again because his signature is when he's ready to end the match, he takes the straps down. So he's like, I guess a- Angle was, I guess, trying to rewind a little bit and be like, no, now the match is going to end. So he puts the straps back up and then takes them back down. But he tries to take a page out of the Shawn Michaels playbook by going up top for a moonsault and misses. Has Kurt Angle ever hit that moonsault? I don't think so. It's a beautiful moonsault. Mm-hmm. And he misses. Remember when he missed off the cage? Yeah. Cody Rhodes is pretty good at the missed moonsault, too. Supposed to hit it. <laughs> <laughs> like that horrible one against the New Age Outlaws. Well, I think that was on them not knowing where they were going to be because when you're up yeah, there, no. you can't really. Oh, oh. Yep, and here's exactly oh. what you were talking about before the uh, the uh, the sprint <sighs> to. Oh, and Sean kicks out. That was the super angle slam off the top rope, and that's what you were talking about before where angle looks like he's dead and he just hits that. Second win like that hustles up the rope and throws it to your fucking death. Oh, man. Angle really has no idea what to do. And at this point, he's just screaming at Michaels. He's, I'm pretty sure, saying, just die, Sean. Or tap out. Hi, Simone. Oh. <laughs> he picks up Sean by the hair and is like screaming at him, just tap, just give up, just pin, just die. And he's screaming at him for so long that Sean snaps out of it and just plants him with a super kick. And Kurt Angle is out. If Sean could get the pin, the match is his right now. But they're both too dead. Like Sean yeah, hasn't moved since he hit the super kick. Yeah. Sean used the last of his momentum. That was a fucking uh, Tenshinhan Neo Tribeam. Cast from his life points. And now he's... You could see here, we're in split screen. But you could see him inching over. Just inching over to Kurt. Kurt's been on the ground for what? 20 seconds at this point? Yeah, Sean gets the one arm draped over him. One, two, and Angle escapes at 2.99, but he's been on the ground for 20 seconds. And Sean, neither one of them can get up at this point. Sean had just enough energy for the pin. Angle had just enough energy to escape. And it just goes to show you how evenly matched these two competitors are. No, he looks like he's his eyes are glazed over. 
and he's staggering to his feet here. It's one of the great things about Sean. You always felt his pain. You always felt like, oh. Oh, and there it is, Angle. Again, two of them. Two fucking back from the dead. Was he playing possum, or does he just have this ability to kick in a second win like that? It remains to be seen, but... And Sean, being such a veteran, if he wasn't in that current state of mind where he was just glossed over, I don't think he would have made that mistake. No, he would have been aware of where his leg was. Yeah, because he's always aware of every place in the ring. Oh, and Sean just keeps trying to kick out, and Angle keeps rolling through, holding onto the hole. Yep, and this is where Angle's, uh, Angle's Olympic acumen comes into play, right? That constant rolling, that constant fight for momentum, that that fight for the top spot. And this is exactly where Angle is, look at him, keeping a wide base. He knows where he has to be to control Sean's body. And you can kind of, oh, drop down. Yep, you see that? He, he allowed Sean to drag himself. He was allowing Sean to drag himself toward the ropes and then dragging him back to the center of the ring just to drive the last bits of fight out of him. Then he dragged Sean to the center of the ring, applied the grapevine, and he's just... He's just hooked that ankle lock in. You can tell how frantic Sean was being that he didn't have a plan for this. No. Like, he, everything he used before to get out of it, he doesn't have any more ideas. No, and there's no none of that works. You can't get out of it from here. You know, he, there's no way for him to get to his feet. He doesn't have the upper body strength to drag himself to the ropes. Kurt has him dead to rights and Sean we've got the camera tight Sean doesn't want to tap he doesn't want to tap his his hand is inches off the mat and Angle just starts he's like really applying pressure he's rocking back and forth on the joint and Sean has to tap The guy in that the sleeveless Triple H basketball jersey is very happy. Guy hasn't stopped double birding. Yep. <laughs> and here's Angle has won the match, but he looks like death. Yeah. You know he doesn't look like the conquering hero. He looks like a guy who barely survived a fight to the death because he did. But now that he's back to his feet, there it is. That's all of the, uh, all the bravado. He walks to the back and you see the little woo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he's so happy and elated now. Yeah, well, because he was right. He was the better man in a one-on-one -on -one match. All things being equal. Kurt won. He proved himself. He was saying, I'm the best. I'm the better one right here. And he was tapping his, his chest, beating his chest. Yep, and Michaels fighting to his feet. And uh, Sean gets a standing ovation, and he returns it, which is kind of cute. 
but also at the same time, it kind of proves his point almost that he uh, he is the showstopper. He gave a show that you've never seen before. So yeah. He kind of still wins in this scenario because he is the entertainer that he's always said he was. Exactly. Exactly. Both men were right, and both men came off looking like incredible stars because. What was Kurt Angle saying in the lead into this match? I will defeat Shawn Michaels. I will prove I am the better man. And Shawn Michaels is saying, he doesn't say anything about proving he's the better man. What he says is, I'm a doormat for nobody. I am Mr. WrestleMania. I am the biggest challenge there is. And I will prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that nobody else can do what I can do the way I can do it. And they were both proven right. Incredible match. So, they, they do have a couple of rematches. Two rematches, I believe. Yes. They have a... In two months, I think, or three months, whatever it is, they have a rematch at, I think, Vengeance? Uh, Michaels wins that one. And then they have an Iron Man match on Raw, which I think Shawn Michaels wins like three to two. No, and that's that's the beauty of the story is that the third match was supposed to be the rubber match. At the end of thirty minutes, they were both at two two, and then Sean is in the ring, uh, demanding sudden death, and that they wrestle one more time, and Angle just leaves. Oh, that's better than I remember. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there was never an official conclusion. They were both the best in the world at what they did evenly matched and I'm sure they were planning to revisit the uh, the rivalry at some point and it never worked out because as we're about to talk about their their, their career kind of split their career right uh, so that was 2005 in 2006 Angle leaves WWE he goes to TNA for like what 10 years 11 years something like that during which time Michael's goes on kind of an extended retire- retirement tour with DX. He really kind of only wrestles when he wants to and who he wants to wrestle. Mm-hmm. And he... You know, Angle winds up being kind of one of the last real major Shawn Michaels rivalries. Because he goes on to have a few. You know, there's Cena... He has the, uh, he has that memorable SummerSlam match with Hogan. He does. Uh, Randy Orton. He does Randy Orton. He does the the storyline with Vince, with Vince McMahon. Spirit Squad. The Spirit Squad. Rick. Yeah, Rick Flair. And then after that, Mister. That's right, Dave Batista. Uh, there's that weird storyline he does with JBL. Yeah. Where Shawn Michaels lost all of his money in the Great Recession. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, the they big one has to be Jericho, right? The big, uh, the big latter day Shawn Michaels feud after this has to be the Chris Jericho feud, I think. Oh yeah. Angle goes to TNA. He has rivalries with. Scott Steiner, Samoa Joe, AJ Styles, Sting, 
Jarrett right yes where Jeff Jarrett fucking did it <laughs> fought children at a strip mall still my favorite Jeff Jarrett Jeff Jarrett angle also Jeff Jarrett steals his wife IRL which was weird yeah and his kids and his kids <laughs> And then kind of his last major program in TNA is with EC3, right? Mm -hmm. And then he actually returns to WWE first as an authority figure, like the general manager of Raw, right? And then for like the next year or so, he's an intermittent in-ring performer. He teams with Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania, which was better than it had any right to be. Yeah. He teamed with The Shield for some reason. Well, Dean Ambrose was injured. Was that the time Dean Ambrose was injured or the time that Roman Reigns had, like, appendicitis? Oh, yes. Yeah. Because <laughs> there was one time Triple H did it and there was another time Kurt Angle did it. Mm-hmm. Both times because somebody in The Shield was injured or sick. There was that. There was his weird storyline with Jason Jordan. Yeah, his long-lost son, his long-lost bastard son was a fucking angle they did. I still can't believe that Jason Jordan got to be Kurt Angle's son and not Chad Gable. That's so stupid. Chad Gable is so... I can't believe that he retired without ever interacting with Chad Gable. God damn. So Kurt Angle's officially retired now. The last couple months of his career were kind of really sad to watch. Yeah. Uh, he had his final match at WrestleMania of this year, which I got to see in person, which was cool. Uh, I had only ever seen Kurt Angle perform live twice. Once was his retirement match at WrestleMania in a fucking stadium, and the other was against Samoa Joe in 2007 in a high school gym. So, really running the gamut with me and Kurt Angle. Also, I mean, and the, in terms of performance, the high school gym match was a million times better than the one he had at WrestleMania. <laughs> it was so good. And then, you know, we, we, didn't, we didn't touch on a lot of Kurt Angle's best feuds. Uh, there were so many of them. Chris Benoit, Chris Jericho, Edge... Brock, Cena. Yeah. Both of these guys had such long, rich careers. Uh, Mysterio, too, huh? Oh, yeah. So, I guess the takeaway here is that these guys had incredible careers, both against each other and against other people. I don't know why it's taken me this long to spotlight either one of them. Because this is the first time either one of them has really had a match on this show. I'm honored. <laughs> I just wanted to say thank you for this experience. Oh yeah, well you're very welcome, Stephen. Uh, Stephen. Yes. Do you have any other feelings about this match, about these two competitors, about Howard Finkel, about... Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel. Howard Finkel. I'll think the Fink. No, I guess not. Great. This has been another episode of I Hate Wrestling. I want to thank my guest, Stephen, 
the train, Graham. <laughs> Marty Skrull. I want to thank... I want to thank Kryn Dodenhoff for designing my logo. I want to thank The Novas for the use of my theme song, Duck Crusher. I want to remind you, dear listener, and ask humbly on bended knee, please like, rate, review, subscribe, comment on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on Spotify. I want you to visit me at IHWPod.com. Follow me on Twitter at IHWPod and follow me on Instagram at IHateWrestling. Steven, do you have anything you would like to plug today? Uh, no. Fantastic. In that case... What? Watch wrestling. Watch wrestling. Buy the shirt. Buy the shirt! Kevin Nash. In that case, Steven, I have one more question for you. Yeah. If you were going to... <laughs> Did you forget to come up with a character? Shit. <laughs> Can you tell me... If you were going to be a pro wrestler, what would be your character? Come on, man. I've given you an entire stable by now. <laughs> so bitch. Um, if, you don't, if you can't come up with one, I'm going to give you one. All right. Give me one. I, I don't know. Your, your character is Mark Harmon. The actor? No, it's H-A-R-M-I-N. And you, you, look, you look and act exactly like... Uh, television's Mark Harmon, but you're like <laughs> really mean and aggressive. So real life Mark Harmon. <laughs> did you know that Mark Harmon pulled kids out of a burning car? Did he really? He did. <laughs> Good for him. In 1996, a car crashed outside Mark Harmon's house in Hollywood, and there were like two teenagers trapped inside the car, and he grabbed a sledgehammer out of his garage, busted out the windshield, and saved these kids. <laughs> that, well, that's what you should do, right? You should hit people with a sledgehammer because you're Mark Harmon. I N apostrophe. <laughs> that, that's atrocious. That's really bad. Well, you should come up with your own character, Mark. <laughs> I'm trying to. I'm actually looking at his filmography to see if I can use something for this, and he's done nothing other than NCIS that I know. That's not true. He played Superman, didn't he? On a, he voiced Superman anyway. He voiced Superman, but I, what am I gonna use off of that? And he had that one bit part that I remember in. Uh, uh, I keep trying to say it's always sunny in Philadelphia. That's not it. Fear molding in Las Vegas. Let's see here. Oh, he was in uh, Freaky Friday. Oh boy! Wow. He was sexy. He was people's sexiest man alive in 1986. Good for you, Mark. Let's see, filmography. Oh, in, in his first role was in 1978's Comes a Horseman. So, you know, that's wrestling. Uh, Tuareg the Desert Warrior. I mean, the Red Rooster worked, right? <laughs> Uh, oh yeah, he was B hand. B hand? B hand. Johnny B hand. He's got B's for hands? Oh shit, in nineteen seventy seven he was in the Hardy Boys. That's wrestling too. So Fuck yeah. 
He was in in 1981. He played John Dillinger, or did he play Ty Dillinger? Huh. Mm. Now we're getting somewhere. The Hardy Boys Nancy Drew miniseries. It was Chip Garvey. Chip Garvey. <laughs> or 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 was he Chip Garvin? Huh. Chip Garvin. Garvin. All right, this is nothing. Good night, everybody. <laughs> yeah, this was really atrocious. <laughs> <laughs> Or was Kurt 99? Yeah. Kurt was 2000. Edge was 2001. Because Kurt was going to look for a repeat. Then, uh, so Chad where, got where was Billy Gunn? Was Billy Gunn 99? Probably. I think Kurt might have been 99. Billy Gunn was 2000. And Edge was 2001. We really did our, our homework for this. Listen. <laughs> Wait, it's your show, right? It's my show. Where, where's, the, where's the notes here? <laughs>